So you want to turn to, to John 20, and then we're going to go to Acts uh, chapter 1. John, the, the, the Gospel of John 20, and verse 19. <clears throat> and uh, this is after Jesus has been crucified, which we've just celebrated in Breaking Bread, and then... Uh, that they found the empty tomb and some of the women have found the resurrected Christ but the rest of them haven't seen this yet and on the evening of the first day verse 19 of chapter 20 of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them just as you do (laughs) I don't think he knocked I think he walked in Uh, peace be with you Uh, after he said this he showed him they showed him He showed them that his hands and side and disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And then go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Do you... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And actually, just because I haven't preached for a week, we'll do another scripture. Turn over to Acts 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. So I want to speak on moving from the breath of God to the mighty wind or undomesticating the Holy Spirit. Uh, I really like it when he breathes on me. And it's so sweet, and his presence is so thick, and it's just so beautiful, isn't it, when he comes. And uh, we, we need peace, don't we? Boy, do we need peace. We need peace just to cope with him showing up. <laughs> Did you notice that? Him showing up increases lots of people's anxiety. Even those who believe in him. These are people that have been around him for a long time. They were used to scary things happening like, Oh, it's a ghost. No, it isn't. Jesus is walking on water. He's dead and he's smelly in the grave. Well, we're going to call him out after four days. I mean, these people were trained in the wacky, okay? But this, this trumped them all. Dead. Empty tomb. Lock the door. Jesus walks through the walls. Come on, that's going to lift your anxiety level, isn't it? And they're locked away. They're already anxious. He said they're locked in there for fear of the Jews because they've killed, the Jews have killed their Lord. They are in a place of depression and discouragement and they're afraid. And then Jesus walks through the wall and they're like, Wah! Pleased to see you, but how did you do that? <laughs> So he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's like, peace be with you. He imparts peace to them. And they all kind of, anxiety levels start to drop. And they're all like, it's the Lord. And earlier he'd said in in John 14 about the Spirit, he said that you do know him because he's with you, but he will be in you. Now, the difference between with and in is pretty massive. With gives you some familiarity, in is super scary. Do you remember Holy Spirit is God, he is divine, and he's saying, you know the presence of the Spirit because he's with you, because Jesus was anointed with the Spirit, he moved by the Spirit. You know the presence of the Spirit. Oh. And... Uh, But that spirit who is God, he's going to invade your life on the inside very soon. 
But I'm quite a private person. I like my inside life. <laughs> Talk about walking through walls. This is walking through hearts. This is invading my private space. God, you know, not just a small personality. You know, if it was someone quiet and insignificant that came to live inside of me, I could cope with that because I could control them. Do, do you know what I mean? So if, if you're going to be a split personality, two people in one body, let's have me in control and the other one controllable. If we're going to do that, it sounds pretty mental to start with, right? I'm going to come and live inside you. Not around you, in you. Like we all hear that so often that it just we get dull to it. Actually, a person is going to leap inside your body, and because he's God, he thinks he's in charge. <laughs> oh, so come, fill me up, Lord. Ooh. Ooh. So then, the, now, now he kind of, come on, get real with me. I love what Barbara said when she was here. She said, this place feels raw and real. So come on, let's have a spirit of raw and real all over us this morning. Huh. And then, like, Jesus, Jesus, so, oh, breathe on me, Lord. Oh, peace. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. And then he goes and spoils it. Because he says you're going to receive power. doesn't use a gentle, peaceful word. He uses a nasty, scary, powerful word. And it doesn't matter which particular concordance you look it up in. It means power. <laughs> I'll just give you strongs just to you know, make it authentic. It's from the Greek dunamai, which means force. Literally and figuratively. Especially miraculous power, ability, abundance, meaning, might, mightily, becoming a worker of miracle or miracles, power, strength, violence. So they're the disciples, you know, they've just recovered from him walking through the wall, and now he actually is alive, but he's kind of there and he's not there, and he eats fish, but he walks through walls, and he's kind of just sort of. This kind of, they spend 40 days talking to them about the kingdom and it's obvious from verse 7 in Acts chapter 1 that they didn't get a word of it because they said is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom it's, like, it's not about times and seasons let's cut to the chase you'll get power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so we're going to spend this morning on that verse and most of it on the first bit you will receive power not peace they already got the peace. Yeah. <sighs> Remember John 20? <sighs> peace isn't going to change the world. <clears throat> peace is good. All right, I'm not knocking peace. Give me peace every day. I like some more peace. Breath of Jesus. Oh, we love the breath of Jesus. But raw heavenly power invading my insides. Oh, no, thank you maybe on Sundays but not the rest of the time <laughs> and even on Sundays it needs to be contained <laughs> I need to remain respectable and in control don't scare me God with all your power stuff <laughs> see God never never for a moment thinks he's anything other than powerful. He never goes, well, I'm having an off day on the power front today. <laughs> See, this is core. This is crucial. Because the next bit of the verse says, when you get this stuff, You'll be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost past of the earth. And I think one of the reasons we've not been brilliant at doing that is because we've not been so brilliant at doing the first half of the verse. 
to shift what's out there, you need a shift in here. Power is not optional or even just important. It's the vital, core, essential experience of the Christian life. A power encounter, a power invasion of your personal, private insights. How are you doing? Peace. You need that first, and then you need to get messed up with power. (laughs) Peace is not the end, it's the beginning. It's the easy intro to Holy Spirit. (laughs) Power is absolutely... I just want to throw a few verses out, because I want to prove to you that we can't do Christianity without power. In Ephesians, Paul prays twice that they would know power. In verse 19 of chapter 1, he says that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power. Dumas! Scary stuff! Violent power! Right? Because we can kind of shrink it. No, no, God's not scary, powerful. He's calm. No, that's peace. We're talking about power. Remember power? He prays that the immeasurable greatness of the dynamite that's in them, that they would know what it is. And then in chapter, six, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says that, it, that he prays that they would be strengthened with dunamis in their inner man, that through that they will actually, Christ could dwell in their hearts. You know, Jesus can't live in you by faith until you have been invaded with power. You can't be fully indwelt by Christ without the, the invasion of the power of the Spirit. I'm not saying you can't be a Christian. But Paul prays in verse 16 of chapter 3 that they will be strengthened with power in their inner man so that Christ can dwell in their hearts through faith. That is what he prays. You need a power invasion to have a Jesus dwelling. Argue with the Bible, not me, all right? We wouldn't have doctrine if we didn't have power. We wouldn't have the Pauline epistles and all the wonderful stuff that he wrote if he hadn't had an encounter with power. Again, Ephesians 3, 7 says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. He got grace, and it says, which was given me by the working of his dunamis. (laughs) All this stuff that he then teaches, he didn't get from a book, he got from a power encounter. Exceeding revelations. He was taken up into third heaven. He was knocked off his horse, donkey, or whatever he was riding. He had power encounters. He was struck blind. The blindness fell away. He had power encounters. I don't believe you can interpret the scriptures he wrote simply by having a good commentary at your side. You need to have had the encounter that the author had to understand what the author said. Because the point of the author writing the stuff is to lead you to the place where he got it. Keep loving me. Keep, you, keep, keep it turned on. Keep it turned on. Give me a teacher who studied, but rather give me a teacher who's had an empower encounter. Certainly know better what he studied. Encounter is better than a commentary, and I love commentaries. So I'm not knocking, I'm just trying to shift something. Paul didn't get doctrine first from his head. He got it first from heaven when it invaded him and messed with his head. To be witnesses, to preach, to share the gospel, to be a contagious and attractive Christian, to get others to come to faith, you need to receive power. The key to successful evangelism, Jesus is saying, not me, is that you receive power. Alright? Jesus said this. He actually told them to wait into Jerusalem until they receive power. So sometimes we put the Great Commission ahead of the Great Commissioning. 
So we so want to be obedient to go preach the gospel that we don't wait for the power to go preach the gospel. So what are we giving them? We're giving something that is true but is empty of some of its essential ingredient. The apostles got the message and they waited. I think they finally figured out that they didn't get it yet. So we better wait for something else to happen. We've seen the resurrected Jesus. We've put fingers in his hands. We've been with him for three years. We've seen him raise the dead and cleanse the leper. We've seen him walk on water and some of us had a go. But you know what? For all that, we better wait for power. None of that was sufficient equipment. You can have a... A face-to-face encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Put your fingers in his hands and you're still not ready for ministry till you've had an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. That's what happened. Oh, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus, but I also need a, a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh. So they waited. <laughs> And then there was a sound from heaven like a violent rushing wind. That's going to scare you. It it actually doesn't say it was a violent rushing wind. It just said it sounded like one. And it filled the room where they were sitting. So I think it was basically a really loud noise. Such a loud noise that it stirred the whole city who then show up outside the upper room like, What's going on? And these very dignified, well-trained apostles came out with their hands held together and spoke thus, says the Lord. Repent. No, they didn't. Somehow there was fire on them. They appeared drunk. And they were speaking languages they never learned. That was the most successful bit of evangelism recorded in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just t- that's just in the text. They didn't invite them on an alpha course. They got drunk, covered in fire, told people to repent, having all heard a really loud wind. You can't make a course out of that, can you? (laughs) We need to get more used to heaven invading earth because it's the only way we're going to get the job done. And they realized it. So when things start to get difficult and they've been a bit persecuted and, and locked up and threatened and stuff, then in Acts 4, what do they pray for? They pray for more of this. They pray for more of this to happen and then again they're incredibly fruitful in their evangelism and boldness and courage takes them over. Isn't that exciting? I'm really excited about that. So I'm just saying they've oriented their expectations and their habits to, you know what, we need more Holy Spirit. When it's not going well, we're going to cry out for God to invade us. Because that's how we got started and that's how we're going to continue. When we're getting under pressure, we're going to cry out for more of heaven invading the earth, more of the Spirit's power. I mean, the first time they got a sound, this next time the whole building shakes. You can't make a course out of that either. So don't misunderstand, I'm not knocking courses. I love the Alpha course, I love the stuff that we do to do evangelism. But something else is actually at the priority of the early church and what Jesus called them to do was not learn a technique but have an experience. Hello? I'll say that again. They didn't call them to learn a technique or to garner great apologetics knowledge. He called called them to have a power encounter. I've been asking God about our evangelism, and this is what he said to me. Have a power encounter. Because as a leader, you go, what what program should we do? What should we we adopt? How can we train people? How can we motivate people? And he's like, well, just have a power encounter. You don't need to do anything else then. Because when you, he says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. 
It's not just ability, it's also propulsion. <laughs> and lots of times leaders effectively you know, introduce a level of striving, guilt, etc. upon us in order that we should do the Great Commission. What I'm appealing to you today is thirst for a power encounter, then you will be and do the Great Commission. We're prone to leaning into our own resources. So I need to learn more stuff in order to preach the gospel better. I would suggest you need to have a bigger encounter and then you'll preach the gospel better. You'll be the gospel. Or what, what program can I now learn to preach the gospel? No, reach to heaven, not to earth. Or how can I become a more attractive person? Well, don't lean into your power of your personality leaning to the power of the Holy Spirit yeah but you know it's only the outgoing people that are good at evangelism that's just rubbish it's only the people filled with heaven's power that are good at evangelism and some of our converts are weak because they have an encounter with more of us than with him they're being persuaded by our arguments and converted by our systems not encountering heaven I believe we're in the middle of something really precious. A revolution in perspective and experience. That the breath is becoming the wind. The Holy Spirit is becoming undomesticated in our experience. They reached for more power. <laughs> they went up a gear in their encounter. Oh, great, I've done all these notes already. Whoop! Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, awesome. I didn't bring the book with me. But there's a story told about Smith Wigglesworth. I love this. I just want us to lift some of our expectations. Lots of stories told about Smith Wigglesworth, but I'm going to give you a couple of them. So he, he's in a railway carriage going somewhere with a bunch of people who don't know him. He leaves to go to the toilet, he comes back, and one man stands up and says, Sir, you convict me of my sins. <laughs> he hadn't said a word. The whole carriage say the same thing, and he leads the whole carriage to Christ. <laughs> Without never said anything to start with, it was just the presence that he carried provoked that in them. He's walking along the lane, he sees a woman in the field and shouts to her, Lady, are you saved? She falls down. <laughs> and then the story's told, he's in, he's in, a, he's in a prayer meeting, at, you know, before a meeting, so, and there's assembled leaders there, you know, local leaders have arranged this meeting, and, and they all dutifully go around and pray their best prayer, and then he's last. And he starts to pray. And the more he prays, the more presence fills the room, and one by one all the other leaders leave because they can't handle. They can't handle what's happening as he prays. And a guy hears about this, and he determines that he, if he gets the chance to be in such a place, even if he has to chain himself to the chair, he's going to stay in while Wigglesworth prays. And he recounts the story that's before a meeting and here they are, all, all the leaders are assembled together and they all pray around and here it comes. The man of God starts to pray and they all start to leave the room. And this guy said, I clung on, I clung on. But then even I too had to leave. I was snotty with tears. I was overwhelmed by heaven and I, I was undone and I couldn't live in the atmosphere that that man lived in. It was, literally, he says, it, it felt like it was going to kill me. But this was the normal. This was the normal for Wigglesworth. He lived and breathed that atmosphere where dozens and scores of others couldn't even cope. Does that make you hunger for something? We have such this sort of peace. No, power. Huh. <laughs> Power transforms us in a way that peace doesn't. 
And some of this you can't explain. And that's why we don't like it. You walk into an encounter and you come out of it different and you don't know why. The reason just is you had an encounter with the power of God. That's all you need to know. I didn't have to learn a new scripture. Well, learn a scripture if it makes you feel better. It won't do you any harm. But, so just think of the trans, just try and get you, sometimes we read the Bible, we're so distant from it, we don't really give these guys credit for what they went through. So these guys are in fear, all right? They're afraid of the Jews. They've locked the door. Together, corporately, they're scared. How many of you know what that emotion feels like? Scared is an emotion. It's not just a thought, is it? It's a controlling emotion that makes you lock doors, hide away, keep your head down until the storm passes. Yeah? Jesus said, get power. They wait, they get power. Within two chapters, the very people they've been hiding from, they're now defying to their faces. They're threatened. They say, don't speak anymore. And they say, well, really, basically, they say, we don't care what you say. We're going to do what God tells us to do. Even if you threaten to kill us and lock us up, we're going to do it anyway. This is the same people. What happened? Holy Spirit happened in power. Peter, who was a Christ denier, has an encounter with the power of God, becomes a bold Christ proclaimer. Because he had an experience of the dunamis of heaven, the Holy Spirit. That's transformation, eh? From scaredy cat to bold proclaimer. From hiding away to living it large and out there where everybody can see it. Apostle Paul, Pharisee of Pharisees. Intellectual. You don't get to the position he was at without being super bright. And without being super compliant and zealous for the whole religious structure that he was part of. He was senior level, highly trained, knew the Bible backwards, had phenomenal ability to remember scriptures, quote it and analyze it. That's the only way you got there. He was a legalist, he was a religious man, and he was passionate to the point of wanting to kill Christians because they believed something different to what he believed. He was a fully committed person, highly intelligent, highly motivated, rigorously trained, and full of knowledge. Then he has an encounter. He has a power encounter. And he completely changes his whole belief system. Completely changes his way of operating. Completely changes what he believes. Completely changes so that he now is a passionate man for Jesus. And he says, he lists everything that he once valued. He says they're like dog poo in the Greek. That is what it means. It's poo in the backyard is the literal translation in the vernacular. All of that, what a transformation. He had invested 30 years possibly of his life in this whole thing. He would invested his reputation, he would invested his money, his time, his energy into this whole structure. He would poured himself into it, he defended it with violence and one power encounter changed the man from the inside out forever. He unlearned everything he'd known. It was useless to him. Power changes you. How about Philip? His early career was breaking bread and serving it to the tables of the widows. Something happened to him. And he released joy in our whole cities because of multitudes of miracles that he did. That's what power does to you. It's difficult to comprehend how deep an inner work took place to make these men and women of fear, men and women of courage. 
men so soaked in religion to become absolute clarion people who carried a clarion call for freedom. That was Paul. He wrote, for freedom Christ set us free. And he'd been the chief purveyor of bondage his whole life. That's what a power encounter does. How God, our Father, is the Father of ultimate transformation. Things can change in us that years of just doing it, steady maturing, even sozo ministry, only slowly touch. God can shift you in a moment. Why are we afraid? I, I actually think the fear of having a power encounter would be washed away if you actually had one. That might sound Irish, but I think it's heavenly Irish. <laughs> Forgive me, Irish people. There is a logic to this. I think it's Chris Vallotton says that the dogs of doom bark loudest at the door of destiny. The thing you need the most is sometimes the thing that the enemy makes you most scared of. Most of our fears about having power encounters with God are based on, on lies and half-truths. Half and emotional reactions that have no basis in the heart of God or, or truth. It's just lies. You, if you're afraid of meeting God, you believe in a lie somewhere. Just basically, that's true for me, it's true for all of us. If you're afraid of a power encounter with Almighty God, you are believing something that is untrue. <clears throat> so that's dealt with that one. And what, see, what do we do? We reach for the familiar, not for the father. We actually need power. Everybody draws on something to live their life. You draw on your experience, you draw on your intellect, you draw on your knowledge, you draw on your friends, you draw on your relational ability, you draw on your systems, you draw on your habits. You draw on your education. You draw every decision we make, every move. We're drawing on something. We're drawing on our physical prowess, on our, on, our, on our emotional intelligence. We're drawing on our personality to get us through. We're using something. Eh? We're all using something every day. We're burning something up to do life. We're leaning into something, drawing on something. But what you sow, you reap. If you draw on you, you sow you and you'll reap you. Let's reach for Father, not the familiar. Let's reach for presence. Let's reach for Him. When I read that stuff about Rigglesworth, I was, I was messed up. I'm like, I want to be like this. How do you get from where I am to where that is? Yeah, I'd like to know too. But that's my cry, that's my prayer. I want to I welcome the presence in a way that totally messes me up. It's just to remind me to preach longer and harder, it's okay. Isn't there a thirst in you for that? When you hear that story about Wigglesworth, there's something I think in every, I think in everybody, not just believers, that wants to know God like that. You don't need to be a believer. Something in you wants that. You can have it. I can have it. But it means me overcoming fear and not drawing on my mental strength, my ability, my programs and plugging into heaven, leaning into Holy Spirit, crying out to Father and saying, you're all I need. You're the power I want to live off. I want to I I I plug my power cord into heaven not to earth. Oh, what's, what's switching you on? What's powering your life? And then the big cry comes, and I know, I know Nick, Nick sort of summed this up, but many of us have cried it. Is it your right to be me? 
Well, it's okay as long as my ambition isn't to protect me from God, but is my ambition is to surrender me to God. It's okay to be me. <laughs> See, there's a tension here. Because God made you and he loves you like you are. But a lot of us have been modified by life, by upbringing, by education, by our profession, by who we are, where we are, who we're with. I don't anybody watched Britain's Brainiest, the final last night. It was really fun. But they had this, they had this little feature in Britain's Brainiest, and it was basically about how we're affected by the people around us. And, and they, got, they got this lass who was a, a volunteer from a, super, from a, a, a shopping mall. And, and they sat her, she didn't know this, with about four or five others who were stooges, who were set up. And they gave them really easy questions to answer. And all the stooges were, were programmed to answer wrong to these simple questions. And this lass, every time, joined in all their answers just to fit in, although she knew the answers were wrong. And then they did another thing, they put a, a square of tape on the ground, just on a pavement, and, and, and did nothing, and people were walking up and down on it, and they, you know, they filmed it. And then they had a couple of their stooges walk, and they walked round the square, and everybody that came after them walked round the square. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that woman in that environment wasn't being her, she was being what she thought fitted. You do that long enough and you think that's you. This is going to mess you up, but this is important. You can quench the Holy Spirit in you by insisting that he respects your personality. You can quench the Holy Spirit in you by insisting he submits to your personality. Remember, Jesus said he's going to come and live in you. Who is going to rule you? And you can, you can quench him. The Bible says you can quench him. He's quenchable. All right? He's not forceful in the way that he will. He's powerful, but he's not forceful. He's not going to manipulate you. He's not going to control you against you. You get to choose who wins in your life. And what you think is you probably isn't all you. Not the you God created you to be. It's you plus a lot of other stuff that you've learned to be and you think is you. And then you defend the other stuff and God wants to blow it away. Because the anointed you, the you he created and called you to be is amazing. The you plus stuff is somewhat less than the standard that he called for you. And our standard is Jesus, not our preferences. Our standard is him. He's a model of us. He's a model of me. So my fears and my peculiarities and my reserves are not me. That's not how heaven made me. Hello? Being fearful is not a good reason for not being filled. It's a good reason to get filled. <laughs> this is so big, guys. This is, we've been trained by our whole culture. Those two pictures, that, that girl, we've been taught to nod like the dogs in the back of a car. Our church life has, has trained us what it looks like to be spiritual. It's the same thing. Well, spiritual is peace or serious. Where did we get that from? It's because everybody around us says that's what it is. Spiritual is actually being cautious and fearful. That's not true. But it's modeled all around us, our whole Christian life. And, and we don't like people who are, who are kind of rabidly hungry for God. We want them to calm down. Why? It's because they, they, they worry us. Why? Because we've been programmed that way. 
But that's not the you that God birthed to be you. He made you to be rabidly hungry for encounter with Him. There's no other thing in the universe, if you could go to its extents, if you could explore every galaxy, if you, could, if you could sample every pleasure on this planet, nothing would satisfy you or me like an encounter with Heavenly Father. Amen. We're designed, there's not just a hole in man's soul that's God-shaped, there's a hole in our soul that's Father-shaped, Heavenly Father-shaped. We are hungry for something and it's Him, and yet the one we need the most seems to be the one that we build the barriers against. That's, a, that's learned behavior, not the true you. Oh, ha. Ah. You can quench Holy Spirit by insisting He respect who you are. By insisting it looks a certain way, he comes a certain way, he says a certain thing, he does it to you like you want it done. You can miss it for your whole life doing that. You can miss him your whole life by doing that. He's not going to make a fool of you. He's going to make a world changer out of you. Okay. There's a beautiful verse in Judges 6.34. which <laughs> says the spirit came on Gideon or clothed. <laughs> Gideon was clothed with the spirit. In the Hebrew it could also mean that the spirit clothed himself with Gideon. I checked it out. It's great, isn't it? Who's carrying who? We talk about a, lot, a lot about what we carry. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I quite like him to carry me. I think, wake up in the morning, let Holy Spirit wrap Andy around himself. I'm the clothes, he's the substance. He's the spirit on the mantle. He, it, it just kind of flips it completely around, doesn't it? Who's putting on who in the morning? Well, Holy Spirit's putting me on. <laughs> He's manifesting on the earth through me. <laughs> I really like that idea. It's in the Bible. It's, it's got to be cool. I'm longing for that. I'm longing for the encounters that move me from where I am to that. I'm fixed on that. Saying, God, I don't know how, but we need this. Okay, finally, power, second half of the verse. Power is cross cultural. People do, do courses in cross cultural mission, and I'm sure that that's important to do because you can make some real mighty cultural faux pas. Oh. <laughs> But if you think your cross-cultural tools are going to win the heathen for Jesus, you've got another thing coming. Because the verse says you will receive power. Remember, dunamis, we all need it. Get over your fear and get more. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses... It's the natural outcome of a power encounter where to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, there's no culture, there's no worldview, there's no cultural stronghold, there's no, there's no principality or power over a region that can stand against someone who's been baptized with power. You don't need to pull down strongholds, you just need to pull down heaven in you. And the strongholds will fall over because you rocked up because you have the power of heaven on you. We sometimes get this the wrong way around. Do you see, Jesus said this, all right? Argue with the Bible. He said, you'll receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and when you've got that, you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. All the equipment you need to shift the atmosphere and change those places is in you because he's come on you. Our problem isn't pulling them down, it's getting more of him in us. I'm sure there's a place for spiritual warfare, don't, don't get me wrong, but our focus... is on the basics. This is Christianity 101. Don't do anything else, Jesus said, till you get this. And then when you get this, you'll be good to go to the ends of the planet. So you go to Paris. This is a great example. We go to Paris. I'm so proud of the team. Because it is a different environment. It's less open than here. And even the church is less open than here. And you go and and you're like, ooh, they don't think anything works in France. You know, God doesn't work in France is the basic (laughs) solution. (laughs) Now now be careful because we can think that too. It's like, well, God doesn't work in my office. Oh man, you just be joking. God can't work in a student environment. You know, they're just so, they're so sinful or they're so worldly or they're so full of atheism. God can't work in, put your bit in. Now we rock up and they're all saying God can't do the stuff he does with you here because it doesn't happen in Paris. And we're like, I'm so proud of my team. We're like, who says? (laughs) We're not coming under that. We've come here to release him on you. So get some of this. And they did. (laughs) So you can shift any atmosphere when you have heaven all over you and you refuse to go, oh, this is too difficult for him in me. Oh, so whether you're a student or you're an office worker, you can shift it. It's not too hard for God. Paris isn't too hard for heaven. (laughs) That's it, really. (laughs) So the people who were behind a locked door, full of fear, had an encounter with the dunamis of heaven that transformed them in the core of their being from the inside out, became those that were then dubbed the ones that turned the world upside down have come here as well what are you looking for who are you looking for what's your thirst how much do you really want how much are you willing to let him give you how scared are you of heaven how scared are you of God how willing are you To let that go. Let the lies disappear. That he could invade you at a whole nother level. And that this city, this nation, the nations beyond could be transformed because a bunch of people had a power encounter. A power encounter, not peace. Okay, we can do peace, but to do the job we need power. But I'm so chilled. Good. Get some power to your chilledness. get plugged in it's deliberate words these are deliberate words these are not accidental words these are holy spirit inspired words you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to jerusalem judea and the ends of the earth this is not just a nice idea this is jesus's promise to every disciple power is yours for the asking Let's stand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't have any great appeal up my sleeve or ministry time planned. Just one thing. Just one thing I I would ask us to do this morning. From the, the raw depths of our inner being... Can we just call out 
for this because we need it. Our, our nation is waiting for a people full of this. Our nation needs a people full of this. And heaven is looking for a people who really want this with all their heart. If you want it, can you tell him? Not in your head, but cry out. Get it out of your gut into the atmosphere what you want from heaven. Come on. Tell him you don't care what it looks like. Tell him you don't care how foolish you might look. Tell him you don't care <laughs> about your personality being in charge. Let him come. Uh, We want you to overwhelm us, Father. We want... Lord, I just want to speak over us. You are not scary. (laughs) You are not scary, Father. Holy Spirit, you are not scary. Jesus, you are not scary. You may do things that scare natural people, but we're your kids. And to us, you're, you're our most precious desire. You're, you're the thing we thirst for the most. You're the one we thirst for the most. We deny, we, we just cast aside all inappropriate fear of you, all hesitancy, all the lies that keep us distant from that passionate Father that wants to rush in and possess our heart with love we just deny them we just pull down those strongholds in Jesus name all the lies of rejection we just pull them down and I speak into your lives a new level of encounter with the power of the heavenly father with the power of the spirit with the love of Jesus that he's going to overwhelm you so that your inhibitions are broken <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh yes, this is good that we receive from heaven more and more of him. (laughs) Shift us, Lord. Shift our stuff. Get rid of all the stuff we've learned just to fit in. I just want to break off that fear of man that makes us fit in over and over again. We want to fit in with the culture of heaven. We want to fit in with the values of the heart of Jesus. We want to be who you made us to be, not who our upbringing made us to be, Father. Oh. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're here for the taking, Holy Spirit. We're here for the possessing. We're here for the fire. <laughs> Thank you for peace. We want a rushing mighty wind. Ah, we want a building to shake. We want fire to fall. Ah. <laughs> Lord, forgive us for drawing on earth's power. Forgive us for drawing on our resources all the time and not leaning into you. You so abundantly want to fill us and supply all that we need. Ah, oh, we choose to plug into heaven. We choose to plug into your supply. We choose to plug into you, holy, dear Holy Spirit. We choose you. And we repent, Lord, I repent of domesticating you, Holy Spirit. I don't want you to be my pet dog. I want you to be, I want you to be the fire of God in my life. Ho! Ho! I don't want to train you to my preferences. I want to be one to your ways. Come on, come on church, tell him. Put aside your preferences. Put aside your desire to control him. To, to train him like you. Ah, oh, come on. Spit it out. Tell him. Huh. Ho. Huh.
<laughs> Tell him you want to be a fire carrier. <laughs> Tell him you want to be a teacher of the word who's had experiences that are in the word. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just put your hand on the people next to you? Just put your hands on their shoulder. Just reach out and and pray for the person on your left. Say, God, God, give them everything they just asked for. Give them everything they just asked for and give them everything I just asked for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ha. Come on, Holy Spirit. You can do more than this. <laughs> give them everything we're asking for, Lord. Hey! Ha. Ha. <laughs> Pray for the person on the other side. Pray the same thing for them. Pray the other way. Oh, give them everything they've asked for. I release your presence in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Intensify, Lord. You're, you're, we. We declare that you can move in an undomesticated way in our lives. (laughs) We allow you to be you. (laughs) And we'll fit in with you. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you. Wreck us, Lord. Pull out our fears, Lord. Our concerns are. Phew. Ha. Ha. Receive, receive, receive. There's always more. He wants to fill you to the measure of the fullness of Christ, not the measure of the fullness of the person next to you. Thank you, Jesus. Ha. Thank you, Father. (laughs) I believe for some of you, you're going to remember today for the rest of your life. Holy Spirit's coming to you in a way you've never received Him before. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, just time too. Baptize us with your presence. Baptize us with power, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, just just as we kind (laughs) of keep, just put your hand on your heart, if you would, for me. And uh, we'll be just calling some stuff out here. you just say with me, Holy Spirit, I break my partnership with fear. And I ask you to fill me like I've never been filled before. Make me a witness full of resurrection power. Amen. <laughs> Pray it every day. Pray it every day. 
Come on. <laughs> so good. He's good. He's always good. And there's always more. So thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you that you go with us. Thank you for next weekend. You're just warming us up for a heaven invasion. (laughs) Thank you this week. You're going to wrap us around you as we walk into our places of work and study. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.